Three, two, one, and we're on. Welcome, guys, to another episode of the Den Talk podcast. Down here at Baggio Sports uh, with myself, Cam, and my co-host, Bam. Hello, hello. This is a bit of an impromptu episode. Take some time between uh, special guests and, yeah, have a chat between ourselves. So today we're going to cover adversities, uh, not just adversities in health and fitness and sport, but everyday life as well. How we tackle adversities. Sure, everyone has um, encountered adversities. If you haven't, you haven't tried hard enough. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's adversities are different. Everyone is their own most important person. So everyone's adversities are the most significant to them, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yes, and never think that what you've gone through isn't enough to talk about. And always reach out if you need to. Yeah, exactly. When we um, thought about this topic, it's mostly trying to see if we can reach out to people who are going through adversities at the moment. Never think that you're alone and never think that there's nothing you can do about it. There's always something that you can do. Yeah, exactly. So this will touch on the health and fitness industry and the, um, I guess, the adversities we see every day with athletes, gym owners or business owners in general and ourselves, what we've seen in the Navy, what we've been through ourselves. Experiences. Yeah, experiences, that's the word. And yeah, just have a chat, really. Yeah, exactly. It's chilling out you know some rainy afternoon seems gloomy to most people but we're here talking about adversity so i think this is the perfect setting and if you do hear some noise in the background uh, just remember we're down in a store at the moment and that store has customers exactly right so i think we're going to kick it off with like adversities that we encountered first with the military since that's the thing that we have in common and i'm sure that we can bounce off each other you know i would kick it off first yeah you know if you if you haven't seen me, if you don't know me, I'm Filipino. I was born in Australia, Filipino. So when I joined the Navy, that's an adversity in itself because I'm joining into a group of uh, people who have you know, been born and raised here. I came here to Australia when I was 21 and uh, joined the Navy pretty much not long after. So there was language barriers and... Well, language barrier, I still knew how to speak English. I just didn't know how to speak English well, you know? Yeah. And then I joined I joined the Navy. From there, pretty much, I was the odd one out. Well, there's two of us, two two of us Asians in, yeah. in the Navy. But, like, I was one in the class who, who was an Asian. So it was quite, how do I say it? It's, 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 it's quite an experience. You know, obviously, coming from a, a different country and then joining a different culture, pretty much, is pretty challenging yeah did you ever like when i joined recruit school i was the only like i wouldn't call myself black by any means but i was the only non-white person in the division and i definitely got the looks and even some snarky comments about that this is the australian navy do you ever get anything like that absolutely i got called every name under the sun i joined the navy back in 2007 right so before ngn the new generation navy before everything was Sure, like like most of the people who joined before me would disagree that it was watered down. Like the Navy now is watered down. Yeah. It's not what it used to be, you know. So me being bullied or getting called names or, you know, eh, they thought I was Mexican. <laughs> Everything that can relate to being an Asian or, yeah. or, you know, I was called that. And for me, I was like, I was open to it. You yeah. know, I didn't get offended. Because why would I? It's true. Yeah. It's true that I'm of, you know, a different race, but I didn't take it to heart. And actually that helped me to get over that fact, you know? Yeah. 
I understand that some people do take that stuff to heart, but you got to be true to yourself. Like, I'm the exact same. I didn't take any of the comments like, oh, this is the Australian Navy or the black comments, the Islander comments, the whatever comment, Middle Eastern things. Yeah. It didn't really bother me because, well, it's your opinion and I've got my own opinion of myself and yeah. you're not going to change that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't change the fact, and you know you can you can hide you can you can try to fit in, because the more you fit in, the harder it will get. You know. Yeah, you're yeah. just being a fake you, yeah, and exactly. it, you'll catch yourself out one day. Like I didn't speak this way all those years ago. You know, like I had a thick American accent coming from the Philippines. Philippines is colonized by America, and it was yeah quite common to have a, an American accent. Yeah. So I was shy to to speak. During uh, during the time in recruit school, and you know, every time I opened my mouth, everyone looked at me like I was, yeah. you know, like, you know, what is he going to say? Something interesting. And now, you know, obviously over the years, I've adapted to the language uh, and the accent. I guess if you're listening, the navy is not like this anymore. I left last year, and it's very very inclusive and diverse now. None of this, none of the stuff you hear right now from either of us is the norm anymore in the navy. Not as much, I would say. Not as much. It yeah. definitely does still happen in the minority areas. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, like, for example, recruit school, no one has learnt the military way, and I'm not saying that's an excuse, but they're still in their high school young adult habits where they think whatever they say they can get away with, mm-hmm. and they're yet to learn. Yeah, exactly. I agree. It's more of, like, trying to fit in is probably one of the most the adversity that I was confronted back in the day. Yeah. And I would, you know, would I do it all over again and have the same treatment? Definitely. Definitely. I feel like my character was built through that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same. I feel like, especially some things I went through in my first two, three years in the Navy really shaped who I became early on and who I am now. Uh, It's no secret I lack confidence in a lot of areas of my life but I'll touch on that later but my first few years in the Navy definitely helped me come out of that yeah that's it well it's it's character building for all the young men and women that went through recruit school definitely um, it tests your um, your character yeah did you have any issues leading up to your first sea posting or was it pretty other than what you've already said oh uh, my issues on my first sea posting well yeah, because I wasn't the odd one out at that time. Obviously, I'm joining the real Navy and, you know, uh, you come out and, like, the only adversity then is just, you know, you still get treated like minority. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You still get made fun of. And then I remember um, one time I was there, this was on my second ship, that I had, like, you know, the state boards in the um, oh, yeah. in, in the ship, in the ops room? They would write a different um, Mexican name down every watch. Yeah, right. Like, every day. So if, you know, you update your state boards, they update my name. So that's what they call me throughout. And I was a seaman at that time, so I didn't know. Like, you know, for me, it's all fun and games, and I didn't yeah. really take it to heart. So. It's all normal, really, yeah. when you're a seaman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's the bottom rank for all you non-military folk. Yeah. I got the top rack. That's pretty normal, too. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty much it. I wasn't really, you know, I, I, I got through all of that in the earlier years of my career. So come down to, you know, when I started... You know, learning the ways, I just shrugged it off, you know. Yeah. It's like, is that all you got? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's quite funny. 
Have you? Did you encounter that too? Did you have that kind of treatment from other people? That different treatment because you obviously you're not the standard typical Aussie. The typical Aussie. Yeah. Yeah. I guess my first two sea postings really, like I said, shaped my opinion of the Navy in the early stages of my career. My first ship was Warramunga. Yeah. And my second ship was Canberra, the new one. Uh, so my first ship I joined as a seaman on my own, basically, or with a couple of others uh, that were trainees as well. But they were very, and nothing against them, they were very, oh, I'm a seaman, I'm just going to cop it, just going to do this, going to do whatever is asked of me, going to, yes, sir, bow down, get on my knees, whatever. Yeah. And I wasn't like that. So yeah. you treat me right, I'll do what you want. Treat yeah. me wrong, or well, you're dead to me, Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously as the bottom rank of a military organisation, that's not the attitude they expect you to have. Yeah. They expect you to bow down, do what you're told, do anything that's asked of you. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I joined into an ops room that was very female-dominated. Oh, was it? Yeah. And cool. it was very, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, abnormal yeah. at the time because yeah, yeah, there yeah. wasn't as many females in the Navy. And so, let alone trying to fit into a boys' club, try fitting into a girls' club. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's nothing against females. It's just it was not what I expected to do. Yeah. And something that I actually really struggled with. I didn't have issues taking directions from females Mm -hmm. of any rank, of any kind. But I did have issues with the way they treated me because I was a man. Yeah. So... Did you have to do all the hard jobs, did you? Anything that got you dirty, anything that wasn't convenient, anything that was anything. Anything that was anything. And one day, I turned around and I called an able seaman a bitch. So you can see I was um, digging holes for myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm sure that comment is well deserved if you, you know, if you felt that way at that time. Look, obviously this was like 10 years ago or nine years ago. So it all stemmed from a comment that was like, oh, your kind do this kind of work. And I took that as a race kind of comment. Yeah. Not the, she was probably talking about rank. Heat of the moment, I took it as a race, a race comment. comment. Yeah. So I was like, all right, bitch. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, that, um, from then on, I had really dug my hole. I was only two months into that posting. Yeah, yeah. So I did kind of find it hard to fit in and adapt to ship life at the start. Mm. But again, I still see that as very self-inflicted. Yeah. And my inability to judge my surroundings and how I should act based on that. Yeah, when you, before you joined the Navy, did you have um, problems with the same thing, you know, growing up in school and stuff like that? I guess a story I'll say after we finish talking about the Navy is, yeah, I struggled with a lot of confidence, so I didn't talk much. Yeah, okay. I didn't talk much at school. I had my friends groups and that's the only place you'd hear me talk. I didn't try to draw attention to myself. I tried to just stay at the back, be the grey man and coast through. I never had a problem with authority ever. Never had a problem with my female teachers or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, well-respected student and I respected my teachers but when it came to my dad yeah he has always said I've had a problem listening to him right so I don't know if that stemmed from anything in my upbringing yeah but it really showed in the Navy 
that I wasn't there to deal with shit. Yeah. And I wasn't just going to listen for the sake of it, like you would for a parent, basically. Mm. Yeah, I suppose like that's a like a authority. You know, your dad's an authority figure. Yeah. And he would tell you things that, you know, he probably experienced himself. Yeah. And then in your head, you're probably thinking, well, just let's let me let's just let me do it. Just yeah. Let me do it. Yeah. But when you join the military, it's like they become your parents. Yeah. And I guess it showed that me not listening to my parents, or I wasn't like the big rebellious child, but me not taking it as seriously as I should have came out in the Navy. Yeah, okay. And I really screwed up the first couple of years of my career that way. Yeah. Because when I, when I joined, I like begged to get off Warramunga after six months. I actually had the worst time. Yeah. And it was all stemming from those comments. Yeah, okay. It all built. Um, I became the guy that got essentially picked on but again i still convinced myself it was all self-inflicted maybe it wasn't maybe it was yeah fair enough but there was one calic on board uh leading seaman that you know that really looked after me tim johnson oh yeah, yeah and mm-hmm. i'll forever be grateful for that because well if it wasn't for him i probably would have just tried my best to get out of the navy yeah in the tim johnson is uh so good tim too on warramunga on warramunga yeah very long story, but we um, we go way back. Yeah, with your um, like your upbringing and how you were back in 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 your adolescence, I would say in your high school days, I was completely different. Probably polar opposites. Yeah, right. I was a rebel. Yeah, like okay. I did not listen. I hated authority. I hated everything about school. Yeah, like I'm very I want to say disrespectful, but probably that's how my parents took it. Like I was very curious it's very curious about everything and f- try to try to push the boundaries of what i can get away with yeah right i wasn't a model student i was i was smart like i i can if i applied myself i could be really good at school but i didn't i didn't want to yeah first of all because i was forced oh, yeah. I was, like i don't want to go to school yeah. and you know and then i got friends and yeah. you know and all that growing up and I was not not the typical student so when I joined the Navy I was completely different I was like well I put myself in a position where I have to listen even all throughout when I went to uni I was the same like I hated it you know I just did it because yeah and that's because of authority right I hated authority Mm. so I got in trouble so many times when I joined the Navy I was completely different I was just like Okay, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. See, it, for me, I took it as a challenge. I challenged myself to to listen, to just calm down and just stick to my guns. Yeah. Uh, and not become a, you know, a nuisance. I still didn't. You know, I still have that rebellious side. You know, when people tell you what to do, you can't tell you what to do. Yeah. And you go like, oh, you know, do I follow this or do you know? I've got a couple of run-ins because sometimes it just, you know, the rebellious side of me came out, but I never got in trouble. Like, I never got charged. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I never got charged. And, like, you know, I fitted in pretty much with, you know, the ship or the ship's company. And have a lot of mates. But, yeah, I was... And then it, there come a time where I had enough of it. Yeah. You know, I had enough of following to the point where I discharged. Yeah. Because I was like, nah, done. So, that was it, you know. Yeah. I was completely different. The, the, the upbringing, you know, you and me, it's quite... The opposite. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's my upbringing, though. You know, you're made of two people, right? Your yeah. mum, your dad. You've yeah. got two sets of genetics. My mum is 
and I'm pretty comfortable sharing this with anyone, so I guess this is out in the world for anyone to know now. Yeah. My mum is absolutely cooked. Yeah. And by cooked, I mean cooked in the highest sense, literally, and uh, whatever the other word is. She's been to jail, drug use, alcoholic, and so on. I haven't known my mum since I was... I haven't really seen her properly since I was three, four, five, one of them. Yeah. So basically dad raised me on his own until he met my stepmom and then I classed her as my mum. Basically, as I was younger, I wasn't this angel of a kid. Mm. My dad used to pull me up whenever he'd say, you're modelling your mum's behaviour. And that was something that really resonated with me. Yeah. I guess that's a very significant adversity that I consider life-changing for me yeah because where she is now is somewhere I will never end up mm-hmm. never touched drugs in my life never really gotten hard on the alcohol mm-hmm. always made good decisions yeah but there was a time where it did boil over between my dad and I and we had our issues and it was evident that I was on the wrong path mm-hmm. and it took me a long time to pull myself in so I guess despite us being opposites in our stories Mm -hmm. there was a time where i did almost fall off the rails yeah but i had to there was no one that could help me it was just myself yeah so yeah that led me to the navy but i guess back on the navy i left that ship and i went to a second one i didn't want to give up on the navy i didn't want to give up on and just assume that that's what it was like all the time so i joined another ship so instead of warramunga i was on canberra big new helicopter dock and from Leaving a girls' club, I was joining a boys' club. A boys' club. And this boys' club was ruthless. Yeah. Hazing. Wow. Don't shower near them or you will have things tipped on you, bits of your body pulled, things that just shouldn't be touched by other people when you're having a shower. Not me, Mm -hmm. but I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because I would never let that happen. I'd go down swinging. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I wouldn't have had a career in the Navy if I went down swinging. Yeah. But then neither would they. I didn't really fit in there either because I refused to change who I am to fit in somewhere else. And that's what clubs are about, right? Yeah. You'll do as we say if you want to fit in with us. Exactly. So we'd go on port visits and stuff and there'd be comments like, oh, go hit the new guy, see if you can drop him. Who can drop him on his ass first? Like, bring it on. Not strong, but bring it on. Yeah. I'll go down swinging. Yeah. It never happened, but that's just the kind of stuff I had to deal with. I was all on my own this time. I didn't have friends on that ship. I was a loner, complete loner. From thinking I was taking, making the right change and giving myself another chance, I had literally just dug my hole about 10 foot deeper. So obviously that was not a good year mm-hmm. of my life. And yeah, there's the first two and a half years of my Navy career. Absolutely, ridiculously terrible. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Like, I'm sure you're not the only one who's gone through that sort of stuff you know no definitely not yeah there's a lot of people who has you know had issues with fitting in or trying to fit in or being alone because they don't want to fit in yeah Mm. what i'm getting at is don't settle for anything less than what you think you deserve absolutely and you don't deserve the world i'll be honest in my opinion no one deserves to be treated like a king you need to earn that right yes and it's not easy to earn that like me calling someone a bitch that i shouldn't have didn't help me stirring people up saying bring it on isn't helping the situation yes but i don't deserve to be treated like that i deserve to be treated like anyone else but i don't deserve to be worshipped yes that's what i'm getting equally 
De- yeah. Be- deserved to be treated like human. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I could have, guess where I'm get going with this story is I could have rolled over and let it happen. Could have just copped it and done my next three and a half years and left. But I gave it one more chance. Yeah. And they were the best six and a half years of my life. So it turned out to be for the better. Yeah. Yeah, because you know exactly what you're looking for. Yep. And exactly what you need to do. It was actually when I stepped onto, first time I stepped onto Ballarat in Western Australia. Yep. So I moved across the country, which was a daunting experience. Greg Burgess standing there, mm-hmm. shook my hand. I was like, I'm in the right place. Yeah. And Shout out to uh, Burjo. Yeah. Retires this year. Oh, wow. Congratulations on your retirement. Yeah. He was my chief when I was going through my CSO training. Great. Great dude. Could yeah. not say a bad word about that man. Helped me a lot with my career too. So Yeah. That's great. Yeah, like we were years apart, us two. Yeah. And yet we've got the same experience with the same, same man. person. So you know he's genuine. Yes, yeah. And I'm sure we're not the only ones as well. Could be a complete dick to other people who crosses him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bosons. Yeah. <laughs> complete dick to who crosses him. But yeah, great dude. I guess I've rambled on about my Navy issues or my experiences, adversities. Did you have any more? Well, for me, you know, my first trip, my first trip on my ship on Warramanga was the Gulf trip back in 2009. That was completely by chance. I wasn't posted on that ship. Yeah. I was posted on another ship and I was like a month in to my first ever ship and then the Chief asked me if I can go to, if, if I wanted to go. Like, it was, do you want to go? Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I'm going. I yeah. know I'm going. So there's no, like, asking if if I should go or not. Anyway. Just being polite. Yeah. So anyway, I posted on to the ship that went to the Gulf, and um, they were doing their workups at that time. So I joined in, not midway, so about the start of the workups. And everyone was like, you know, they weren't expecting me to replace the guy that, that came off the ship. Yep. So everyone was trying to not trying to give me a hard time, but then they were giving me a hard time at the start because they obviously was like, oh, you know, why are you here? Yeah. Where's the other person? Yeah, the guy that trained with us yeah. for this. Yeah, so I was like, well, you know, is it my fault? <laughs> it's not my fault. And then just, you know, I, I think at the start it was quite quite funny how people treat you if you're the new guy. But like I said, I came from recruit school where I was the odd one out. I was the odd one out again, you know. Yeah. I was just my I was just my my skin is just like too thick for this, you know. Yeah. Like as much as I'm not gonna take any shit, and I'm gonna fight you if you fight me, if you give me shit, if it's not like a lawful order. Yeah. You know <laughs> I mean? If it's a lawful order, you know, I will have my say. But you know, I was pretty happy with how it turned out. Met the met the best friends that I've had, you know, for ages on yeah. that ship. So I wasn't really a an issue in how I was treated. Even on the next trip, I think the most I think the most adversity I've gotten with uh, with the ship is just a lot of not self inflicted, but it's more of what happened around me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Back in we went out in 2010. I'll touch on this now, and it's had a big impact in my life. One of the boys in the ship drowned. Yeah. Leading Seaman Wakely. It's uh, actually CSO of the Year Award on Warramunga now. Yeah. Yeah. I heard. Yeah. So I was there. When, when it happened, and I was one of the five boys that were there. Anyway, so that happened during um, our transit to Hawaii in one of the islands. Yeah. We went out swimming. Anyway, so that, like, probably the roughest time of my life because 
you know, how it happened and, and all that. I'm not going to touch on how it yeah. happened. Then, you know, trying to get over that fact and still do a job with your friends. Yeah. What's the hardest part of it? You know, I had like to knock on the exos room and it's like, I cannot sleep. Yeah. Like I couldn't, you know, I stayed up the GDP, you know, alone. Yeah. You know, because obviously there's like guilt feeling that, you know, I should have done this. I should have done that. And that's like the adversity that I have to face yeah. at that time. And, and and if it not for my friends that were there and the support the ship had for me and for all of us that was there, it would have been different. Yeah. So instead of like me resigning to the fact that I, I'm not stable enough to do this job, they kept me there. Yeah. And I kept all the boys that were, you know, that stayed stayed back and helped us through instead of going home and being alone, which would have been a lot worse. Yeah. You know, if you got sent home, I stayed and yeah, we persevered. We got, f- got the trip finished. And unfortunately, you know, that's the, those are the things that happened then. And it's still to this day, you know, I never, it, uh, no, I will never forget that incident, you know, yeah. and it lives with me. And sometimes, you know, because of where it happened, there's like some triggers that, you know, gets to me sometimes. But not to be a bit insensitive, That's do right. you think you should you should forget that? But like if it's such a life-changing moment, do you think it's good that you remember these things? I suppose this, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like I don't know how to answer that question. Maybe because it has such a big impact in my life my adult life. Yeah. Like I just use that as a fuel to make myself better. Yeah, okay. You know, instead of instead of like self-destructing. Yeah. Which most you know, not most. I'm just gonna say like some people do. They 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 live on that fact that something bad has happened to them. Yeah. And they don't get past it. Yeah. Or they use it as an excuse to be worse. Yeah. Well, you know, like this happened to me, poor me. Yeah. Victim mentality. I could, you know, could totally like say that, use that um, situation or that experience as a out for me, you know. Yeah. And just like claim everything from the defense, or yeah. you know, poor me. I, uh, you know, you look at what you've done to me. Yeah. Yeah, but I didn't. So. I asked you for a, if you knew any adversity quotes or good ones before this. Yes. I think everything we've really touched on so far really fits it was it life happens for you not to you yeah i heard that quote um said by a lot of different people and i was it resonated with me you know yeah every life experience that you encounter you can take it as a a loss or a lesson you learn from it if you learn from it it's not really a loss yeah you know it's a good way to look at it yeah so if if you it's it's happening for me. It's happening for us, you know. I'm not going to blame what life throws at me and use that as, like, a, an excuse to act the way you do. Yeah. You know what I mean? When we touched earlier about upbringings, you know, your parents um, are different from mine because my parents have been together for a long time. Yeah. And I think they've taught me how to be who I am today, you know. Like, they're very, you know, they're very loving and I know whatever they did when I was a kid was, like, for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where that's where I feel like where my how I handle things come from them. Yeah. Because my mom and dad they're very resilient. You know, it's a lot of things has happened in our life that 
would have absolutely would crumble the family. Yeah. Right? But they stuck together. I feel like that's the reason why, you know, you're saying that you're made of two di- uh, of two different people. You know, the mixture of my mum and dad in me, uh, that's how I see life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So obviously, it's my experiences, but like from the base, like from when I was a... Uh, when I was a kid growing up, that's what I saw. Yeah. Resilience. Yeah, it goes through everything that I've gone through in my life. It's just try to be resilient. Yeah. Obviously, it's, I'm not perfect. I've done some stuff that I never should have done. Not proud of what I've done, but, you know, I'll learn from it. Yeah. And I will never do it again. Yeah. And just sticking to, to my my value that I hold just to be resilient. So that's Something you learn. It's not You don't just have it. And no. You do see it, people roll over and cop it. Woe is me. Mm. Oh no, poor me. Yeah. Uh, victim mentality, like you said. And I'm not not saying you can't be like that. Shit things happen to good people. Uh, absolutely. But it's going, I'm not saying you deserve it, but it's going to keep happening if you don't do anything or if you don't learn from it. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to life happens for you, not to you. Yeah. It's happening so you can learn from it. Mm-hmm. Ensure it doesn't happen again. Ensure it doesn't get passed down to others. Yeah. And just how you handle it. Mm-hmm. Like with, um, you know, with the, the life happens for you, not to you, it's the, the lesson that you learn from that experience will not come instantly. No. You know, it may come 10 years down the track, you know, it's not instant. Yeah. You can't expect to learn something. Why did this happen to me? And you think about it right now. So same something happened just now. And then you go like, why did this happen to me? Yeah. You, you, you have no idea. But maybe down the line, you go, oh, this yeah. is why it's happened to me. It's for me. This is for me to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I could say a lot of people aren't aware of their own personal behavior and how that can affect how things occur around them. Mm-hmm. Like Kate said to me the other day, you don't realize the way you're saying things are making me feel X way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, shit, this is just how I've been for the last however long. Yeah. I'm so glad she told me. Yeah. Because otherwise, I'm just going to continue making her feel like shit, yeah. which causes a reaction of her being sad, yeah, and me wondering why she's sad. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Like with obviously a relationship, it's just an open, com- open line of communication to be able to express what you feel, yeah, you know? and then picking you up on those habits. So, like I, you know, I certainly would have been. I'm the same. You know, I, I have habits and the way I do things that would feel like completely normal to me. Yeah. And then just go, oh, shit, hang on, why are you crying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Why are you angry at me? Well, how do you find that with coaching then? Well, yeah. I mean, you've had years to develop it, but it's not something that just happens. Oh, no. Coaching. Interesting. Yeah. So, like, obviously, I started coaching in a, in a bigger gym and it wasn't, you know, all my, my growing years as a coach was, like, trying to be good at coaching. Yeah. Okay. Like, the technical side of yeah. things you know how the job the job yeah. yeah but for me i after i've learned the job which i was like at the start most coaches would be like mechanical you yeah. know like a robot like repeating what you've l- heard or seen or studied in a book and that's you know and some people don't get past that yeah right even years of coaching they're still like oh buy the book this is you know should squat like this because this person said yeah. this book said with me i treat coaching as like a personal thing for me you know like my personality comes out when i coach yeah that's how i feel like you know i i 
give my own personal twist on things. Yeah, but with trying to separate being, especially now in the gym, it's like being personal with someone can sometimes lead into being overlooked. Yeah. You know, what I say is usually like there's a fine line between friends and coaching. You know what I mean? Is I am friends with all of the people I coach. Yeah. I have a personal relationship with all the people I coach. Or at least like some sort of friendship. Yeah. And some more than others. And when I start coaching, sometimes the the where the, you know, where does the boundary lie? Yeah. You know? How very fine you, line. Yeah, how would you how would you take my coaching as not being an asshole saying that you need to squat deeper? Yeah. And not take it personally. Yeah. I think, you know, well, I'm telling you you have to move better and then you don't listen to me because who am I? Yeah. You know, I'm your friend, yeah. not your coach. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. So I try to find the balance of trying to talk to you like a normal person. Well, you're everyone's a normal person to me, but like with, you, you know, try to talk to you like you're not stupid. Like, like you're not first day weightlifting. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Sometimes I, you know, that's the, that's the frustration that I have is for you. I feel like people take my instruction for granted because I'm their friend. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen it happen. Mm, yeah. I guess that will touch on something I was looking up. I was looking up how does adversity affect athletes. It didn't take me long. If you don't think you've ever gone through adversity in your sporting career, you're lying. Uh, you just might not realise it. Yeah. Injuries, performance issues, illness, changing of coaches, funding, not being selected for a team, not being good enough to select, be selected for a team, especially in weightlifting. Yeah. Like they're all adversities you're going to face. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because if, um, like if you're an athlete, you're obviously aiming for, you know, to be the best you can be. I feel like that's a very overused statement. Be the best you can be, but that's all you can do. Yeah. That's all you can do. If you 100% in yourself believe that you've done everything, everything, no stones unturned, you didn't get selected, it might be something outside your control. Yep. But if you have done everything you that you're supposed to do, maybe it's just not your time yet. Yeah. Or it's just your time has passed yeah. already. Yeah. If your best is not good enough and like you said, you are 100% convinced that is your best, don't be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've reached your potential. Yeah. And not many people can say that. No. It's hard to accept that for athletes yeah. it's hard to accept that this is my this is my ultimate potential like you know this is me this is my peak yeah. and it's not good enough can't be sad about that yeah. you know because you've reached your potential but uh, the outside things like you know not making the team not making numbers not you know all that that's just because someone's better than you yeah and that person might be a lot younger or gifted yeah gifted Gifted. I guess that's that's controversial in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's some people who <laughs> expect like do they're doing little things, you know, the bare minimum and expecting a huge outcome of their little, you know, little push. Yeah. You know? Oh, I've you know, I trained an hour a day or you know, I done I've done your programming, followed it, but you know, didn't do the extras. You know I mean, all the greats, all the greatest fucking athletes in the world would tell you that their their coaches would tell you that they're the hardest working person in the room. Yeah. 
then there's no excuses. Yeah. I, I've seen it, you know. You've seen people who's been head down, ass up, just working, yeah, not looking for anything, yeah. you know. They're just whatever they can manage that day to, you know, they they maximize their time training, and some people don't do that, but yeah. then expect bigger goals or bigger um, bigger rewards for their for their efforts. Yeah, definitely. At this, we're talking about like the higher level. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're not talking about the, the everyday gym guy, you know. But I, su- I suppose that's you know thing applies to it. Like with injuries, you can always work throughout injuries. You know. Yeah. You, you can still do something. But some people don't realize that. No. Like, I got smacked in the face hard when I my growth phase stopped. Yeah. And I wasn't PBing 10 kilos every three months. It just killed me. Yeah. But what did I decide to do? I decided to roll over, stop recovering, mm. stop eating properly, stop sleeping properly, decided to go get a FIFO job. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my whole routine was out, all because I wasn't seeing the results I thought I deserved. Yeah. But did I deserve those results? Exactly. And then I'd get injured and i just sit on the couch yeah oh my wrist is sore doesn't mean i can't go to a globo gym and do leg presses or mm. work on my bodybuilding or squat yeah or i would just refuse to see the right people to fix my issues yeah got a sore wrist go see a physio don't listen to a doctor well sorry listen to doctors but not if the doctor's going to tell you not to work out for six weeks yeah because it's not the only part of your body. That's just my experience. I'm living proof that it happens to the everyday person that might think they deserve something they don't. Mm-hmm. Well, that they don't deserve yet. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Like, I was in the same situation. This was in the Navy. I injured my foot. It got crushed. Yeah. And that was at the uh, at the time where I was trying out to be a physical trainer in the Navy at that time. And I was at, I wouldn't say the peak, but I was pretty fit. Yeah, I was pretty fit at that time, and I was ready to take on the tests and everything. And then I got injured, and that put a stop on it because I was, I needed surgery. But I put so much time in, yeah, you know, running and all the other things that we needed to do, and I put so much time in. And when I got injured, I thought that was it for me. Yeah, like I was like immobile for a long time, and was eating KFC. I was like, oh, you know, this is you know, become become a fucking the fat bastard. Yeah. Literally, like eating buckets of chicken, yeah. you know, the de- Navy driver checking up on me, wanting me to drive to KFC to just to get a bucket of chicken, you know? Yeah. Uh, it got that bad. Like, I can e- I'll polish off, like, a box of Maxibon in one sitting. <laughs> like, and that was another thing, you know? Uh, I was sad and depressed, and I didn't know how to pull myself out of it until I did. Yeah. You know, because the doctor was like, oh, you, f- you know, you'll never run again, like, the same way as you ran before. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Obviously, at that time, because I was alone, I was like alone in my thoughts and thinking, oh, that's it for me. I'm done. I'm done with fitness. And then found CrossFit, like watch CrossFit Games. I think that was 2012 CrossFit Games. Yeah. I was watching it on ESPN. Or, and I was like, well, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I tried to do a push-up. I couldn't. <laughs> I was like, oh, oops. <laughs> Try again. And then, yeah, and then from there, I just started building myself back up. But it's never the end of the world. Like when I saw CrossFit and I was like, man, I can do that. And then... You know, and now that I understand the entire concept of like scaling and trying to do something, even if you're injured, you know, as long as it's, it's not going to affect the injury. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty hard thing to convince yourself is okay, scaling, being last. Yeah. Like I had my real first kick in the balls the other day at the gym mm. during that lunge workout. Yeah. Where I couldn't breathe. 
and I was actually in pain, like something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Everyone had finished in six, seven minutes. Here I am, 13, 14 minutes still going. How many times I just wanted to dump that barbell, grab my keys, get Go. in the car and drive off. Yeah. I just knew that wasn't good enough. Mm. And then if I could just swallow my pride, come last, swallow, take the support in that everyone's trying to give me. Yeah. I'll come out better on the other side. Yeah. I guess another good example as well, you can say her name if we want, at the gym today. Yeah. Someone with a sore wrist. Yeah. Or she's had it for a few days now or a week, week yeah. or two. Mm-hmm. And she'll just bug you and ask you what you can, what she can do instead. That's it, yeah. And credit to her, like she's changed a lot over the last year. Definitely. I would say in a good way. I reckon a year ago, she wouldn't have come to the gym with a sore wrist. Yep, that's it. It's just a switch of mindset, you know. You know, it's easy to give up. It's easy to just roll over, like you said. Or just keep pushing. Yeah. Because there's no point. Like, like for, for example, that person, she's been doing this... We had a we had a twelve week challenge and then we're coming out to the end of it now. That's so I think the week ten now I think, or week eleven even. The the shift of mindset was all all all, all she needed. That's I think most people need like the shift of mindset, yeah. especially if you if you're at the um the point in your in your life where you feel like you've plateaued, when you feel like you're not going anywhere. Yeah, and some people say, oh, you shouldn't need a twelve week challenge. You shouldn't need to pay money to do that. Some people do. Yeah. Some. People need to see their hard-earned money spent on something that keeps them accountable. Yes, keeps them accountable and makes them a better person out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, like for myself, if you say to me, "Oh, you know, you need a twelve-week challenge," I would say, "Well, not really." Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not really. I can, I can, you know, change myself if I wanted to, when I wanted to. Uh, not saying that I'm, you know, most people need that push. And I think that that goes back to that goes back to the point of how you were brought up. So I know some parents would instill like a very limiting behavior to their kids. Yeah. You know, you can't do this. You can't do that. You know, you're too small. Your parents do that. Yeah, definitely. They do that, and and that's not a lie because the the parents will give you a limiting behavior that you will carry through the rest of your life. Because mm. you know, if you're not good enough to your parents, if you're not good enough for your parents. Well, who am I going to get enough to? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just going to carry over. Yeah. And then you will constantly seek approval from other people. Yeah. You know, yeah. because am I good enough? Am I good enough? Yeah. And those people stand out. Yeah. They They're do. not bad people, but they stand out. Yeah. You, you'd know. Yeah. If you, yeah. It's it's crazy how how the effects of parenting affects your adult life. Yeah. How you treat other people, how you react to situations and it's just well, when do you when do you change that mindset? When do you like how how would you, would you recognize that if people told you that? Like if, if someone came up and told me that I just need to seek approval for everything, yeah. Well, that was me for a bit, yeah. But I wouldn't say that was in my personal experience. It wasn't parent driven, yeah. It was my lack of confidence as a child and not experiencing putting myself in situations that I could learn and grow grow. yeah and then doing that as an adult or as an older teenager and wondering why is everyone looking at me Mm -hmm. all the spotlights on me am i doing this right yeah was that okay are you sure really yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, so yeah yeah. and that all stems from sure everyone's noticed my handshake yeah right so no confidence i didn't put myself in the limelight i didn't talk to girls as a teenager yeah i didn't my hands were always in my pocket my head was always down no confidence Mm mm-hmm 
and yeah, it wasn't until later when I started to join the Navy that that confidence started to grow mm-hmm. and I didn't give a shit. Yeah. So yeah, I did seek approval for a lot of things because I didn't know how to do them. Yeah. But I shouldn't have gotten myself into that situation. Yeah. yeah. And my parents tried their best. Yeah. They really did to uh, get that out of me. Mm-hmm. I think that's, yeah. Well, what would you do? Oh, if, if, what's the situation? Well, so same thing, like, well, no, you've always, since I've known you've always been pretty, I'm doing this because I want to, because you think it's right or it's what you want to do. Mm. I don't really have a situation for you. Yeah, well, I, th- I guess that's from, because I, you know, I feel like when you said, like, you brought up by two different, um, two different people, I was brought up by my granddad. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that my parents didn't had a hand on it, but, like, my granddad was my, my one of my biggest influences. And he's always that person who's just like standing tall, very confident, yeah. and very sure of himself. Yeah. And even when I was a kid, I can see that. I can see he's like, you know, I stand tall, chest out, puffed out. I'm the man. Yeah. You know, and that's how he was. And he sort of like his behavior filtered down to me because yeah. I was his first boy grandchild. Yeah. I looked up to him in a sense of like, well. You know, if he can do it, and that's fine then. Like, be sure of yourself. And he told me to, when he told me to become, never ever think that someone's better than you. Yeah. Because why not you? You know, why not you? Yeah. Why, you know, and then until today, we start when we were kids. When we were kids, like, when I was a kid, I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to go for it. Mm. Like, it doesn't matter what the result is. I'm just going to go for it. But I'm going to fight, you know, tooth and nail to be the best. And I feel like that's carried over to now. Obviously, there's good and bad things that's happened, but then my, with like venturing into different things, yeah, I just go, why not? Yeah, why not me? You know, if if that person can do it, why not me? Yeah, like if 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 you know if he can be successful, why not me? If it's been done before, it hasn't been done your way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So why not me? Yeah, I just keep thinking that you know, I keep thinking that there's nothing that I cannot do. If I actually wanted to do it, yeah, yeah. It, it there's come you know bad, good and bad situations came out of it, but then you know you can only learn from it. Yeah, not saying that I'm like super confident, but I'm just pretty confident with my own skin. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so you know what I mean. Like I don't care what other people think of yeah. me. Yeah, I do not because you do not feed you don't you don't feed me. Whereas I'm still learning that. Hmm. And 27 now. I've only really been working on that for six, seven years. Yeah. Might seem like a long time, but it's really not. Yeah, but it's it, it will come in time, you know. Yeah. Like we're 10 years apart. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? There's like 10 years of experience that, you know, I encountered, you know, and you were still, you were still growing. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty much what... Just a specific adversity question I've got for you mm-hmm. is what has driven you or how much adversity did you face or mental demons... In the last two big things you've done, so your hundred mile run, mm-hmm. uh, the ultra marathon that you did at Lark Hill, yeah, and the Anzac Day pack march you did, or if you want to give everyone a rundown of what you did, was well, a specific adversity and mental demons. Yeah, like did you face any like? Because mm. you don't strike me as the person that you'll be twenty k's in and be like, "No, nah, I'm done." Yeah, I'm going home. I think um, backstory before I attempted that twenty four hour run. I did a, like the end of last year to 
like the start of this year, it was quite rough, like with the entire COVID situation happening yeah. and well, how the gym was tracking. Yeah, one of my friends said uh, it's that the gym is going through a very dark time, but I, I think it was just it, it just wasn't me. You know, it it wasn't only me that was going through yeah. that time. It's a lot of us, you know. So anyway, first of the first the first of January, I thought maybe I can row a marathon. Yeah. So maybe I can row a marathon. I was like, and I was like that same attitude. Why not? Yep. Let's give it a go. I got a few hours, so I sat on the <laughs> rower, sat on the rower, watched some TV, did the marathon, finished it in about four hours. And you know, I researched after the fact that I've done it. I researched like, oh, you should train for it. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> well, I didn't, but anyway. So in my head, I was like, hmm, maybe I should do a marathon. Maybe I should do a marathon, a running, running yeah, marathon, a normal marathon. Normal marathon. I was like, and I thought about it, thought about it, thought about it. Looked looked up some races and. I was like, oh, couldn't really find one that was um, in time for the schedule of the gym. Anyway, and I was like, and I saw this, um, you know me, I don't do things half-fast. Yeah. You know, I go all in all in or all out. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I saw this um, 24-hour race, 100 miles for 24 hours. And I have no idea what the magnitude is of this run. <laughs> First of all, I hated running. So just thinking about running for 24 hours was just a, like a mental block for me if I'm going to do it or not. But uh, like I said, why not? And on paper, it doesn't. It's just 24. Yeah. It's not yeah. So I did my maths and I was like, oh, yeah, I got to run six odd Ks every three hours to finish 100 miles. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, easy. Let's do it. So I signed up. Two weeks before the race, two weeks before the race, I done a few big runs. If you followed my stories on Instagram, you would uh, you would have seen what I've done. It was just like you know, the longest that I've done before that race was like 16Ks or something. And I was like, oh, surely if I can run 16Ks nonstop, I should be able to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, whatever. All right, so day of the race, I uh, come prepared with all my supplies and... Um, a lot of people supported that day. Anyway, during that run, like in my head, like as much as I thought it was going to be a big feat, I was like, I will not quit. Yeah. That's what I said to myself. So no matter what emotion or how I feel physically, I will not quit. So, and I, that, that was in my head the entire time. I just won't quit. Like y I would finish the 24 hours, I'd crawl that, I would crawl gravel. I would crawl to finish 24 hours. Yeah. So, like, during that run, I think the hardest part was sitting down. Oh, yeah. Because sitting down is comfort. Yeah, true. Okay. So, like, to give you a perspective, I ran uh, in a 3K loop with hills, and it's um, mostly compacted limestone and sand. And the start and finish line is up a hill. Okay, and up that hill, you have your aid, aid station or your setup aid station. And every after a few laps, you sit down and, you know, have a drink or replenish. But sitting down in that chair was comfort. Yeah. Right? Because you, you, you ran how many miles or how many Ks, and then you sit down and your legs just don't want to move. Mm. Like, literally, your legs are like lead. It feels like it's so heavy that you cannot even stand up. And there's so many times where I just like, well, I don't want to stand up. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm done. This is too hard. <laughs> but so that was just that was just a split second, like a split second thought. And I was yeah. like, pull yourself out of it. Get out. And then standing up 
was probably the hardest part of that part um, of that run. And I didn't really feel any. I didn't feel emotional till about the sunrise the next day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When you knew what you had done. I was like, I'm almost done. Yeah. Fucking the sun is up. Yeah. I've been running. I've been awake since that time, and then looking at the sun uh, sunrise, I was like, wow, I've actually done it. Yeah. And I think the biggest part of that run was there was three of us running and the two people, I wanted to say quit, but they pulled out of the race. Yeah. One of them pulled out midnight and then she told me I won. And I was like, <laughs> well, <laughs> good. Good. Wasn't my, you know, it wasn't my intention to win, but if I can get the win, then why not? Yeah, lasted. Yeah, that's it. I just had to, to run, you know, to run longer. So after that, I was just like, yeah, the emotions came pouring in around four or five o'clock at that time. And I stood up top the hill and I looked over and I just saw like, it was just amazing. I was yeah. like, man, I, and then it didn't really sink in until I went down the hill and I was like almost in tears. I was like, mm. wow, this is amazing. I'll put it into context for people. I went there around nine, nine o'clock at night, yeah. the night before. I was annoyed getting bitten by bugs that I couldn't see, yeah. uh, that it was cold. But then you'd come, I guess, shuffling up the hill and yeah. I'd be like, oh, shut up. Yeah. Stop bitching. And so it's just watching someone do that is inspiring enough. Yeah. And I'm not trying to give you a big head or shine a light on you, even though you deserve it for that. But just being there in the presence of it was enough to motivate people. Yeah. I hope it did. Like, I hope it did motivate people. But would would you say comfort almost kills motivation? Absolutely. As like I said, that chair was comfort. That chair, it's a, it's a bait. Yeah. It's a bait for people. Once you take that bait, then it will reel you in until you're not coming back. Yeah. I think that's the big, you know, the biggest way to do the best way to describe that feeling was, okay, let's get out of our comfort zone and just fucking do it, yeah. even if you can't do it anymore. You think that now that we're touching on like you know, the mental side of things. I think um, most most people talk about mental toughness, yeah. good mindset, solid mindset. Most people talk about it. In my head, like, and I, and I, I, I did too myself, you know, being a coach because, you know, you have to motivate people. Yeah. You know, you have to put that, you have to put that spirit in people. You have to put your spirit in that people, in that person to, to motivate them. And most people talk about it, but not many people experience it. Yeah. No, me, people experience being mentally tough in different ways, and I feel like for me challenging myself to get out of my comfort zone because I've been weightlifting for a, a while, and my legs are just built to squat, yeah. never built to run, and I hated running, and to do that from not doing running to running a hundred odd k's was you know for me was testing all the shit that I've spoken. To other people about mental <laughs> toughness. All the quotes I've shared on Instagram were like, you know, but have I actually experienced that real feeling of like wanting to quit? Yeah. And I think, you know, some people talk about it, some people do it. And I did both. Yep. So, Good. yeah. Like that, and that Anzac Day um, pack march. So I did a 42 odd K pack march with an Alice pack on my back. We have a 20 kilos in it or something close to it. And that was just for me to, because obviously it's Anzac Day and, you know, you are trying to remember the people who gave their lives for the country and all yeah. that stuff. 
yeah that was that was quite a different experience it was a different experience but then that, that was just there was no aid stations yeah it was all in your bag <laughs> it was all yeah. in the bag <laughs> and i stopped once when you showed up with a bottle of water <laughs> that was great you know like i feel that day it was just like i'm gonna test myself and this is probably the hardest thing i can think of right now without spending the entire day you know doing it yeah it was took still took eight hours, but so you coached before it. <laughs> and I coached yeah. before it, yeah. I did went to uh, the dawn service, so I was up early. Oh yeah. But yeah, so and like uh, it to 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 put everything into perspective, it's just me saying why not do it. Yeah. Yeah. If if it's gonna come out, if something good is gonna come out of it, if a lesson can be learned by doing these things, then why not? Yeah. Why can't it be you? Yeah. Yeah. So why can't it be me? Like, you know, I encourage people to do things that would challenge them because that will, you know, help them discover who they are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You don't know where you'll end up. Yeah, exactly. It's not like all these influencers, famous people, celebrities are just hand-picked out of a crowd. Mm. A lot of them work to get to where they need to be. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't fucking, you can't, you know, most people think, oh, they're shallow, they're, you know, but... Do you really know them? Do you know them? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What their backstory is. I think that's the um, that's the thing. You know. Do the two runs you did compare to each other, or are they just two different? They're, two, they're two completely different things. Yeah. Yeah, two completely different things. I feel like the the first one is like obviously I didn't know what I was expecting. Yeah. So it for me it was like an experience in in itself. That I was aiming for a time. I wasn't aiming for anything. I was just aiming to run for twenty four hours. And the other ones obviously remembering people that that was quite special for me and you had a destination yeah like you knew when you were going to finish yeah. more or less yeah yeah would i do it again fuck yeah yeah i'm gonna do it again just because you know why not could always run up bluff knoll next week yeah <laughs> could do yeah bring my house back and start marching up the rock steps up there yeah yeah anything else uh just if if if, if you feel like if you feel like you you want to do something and the only thing that's stopping you is what other people would think of what what other people would think of you if you do it then why not do it i think you would face adversity regardless of what you do if you do yep. it. yeah you you'd face adversities like shout out to all my friends that are probably laughing that i'm even doing this yeah exactly because it's not who i portray myself to be mm. especially with communication but you're still listening yeah. and deep down, no matter how much shit you give me, I know you support me. Exactly. You listen and even if you feel like you're just taking the piss, but I'm sure they know. I'm sure like most people... Just in their friendly way. Yeah. yeah. But I've heard nothing but support for us, really. Yeah. And even people... I'm not going to say that people love me. A lot of people hate me. But, you know, love me or hate me, I'm still here. Yeah. Not yeah. going anywhere. I'm not going <laughs> anywhere. I'm still going to do this even if no one listens. So, because why not? It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. and Better than being outside in the rain right now. Yeah, exactly. Could be at sea, oh. looking at a console. Still wearing a headset, though. Yeah. PTSD <laughs> with a headset. But no one wants to hear you speak, though. <laughs> yeah. To wrap things up again, if you feel like the adversities you're going through are too tough, you don't have to do it alone like everything we've talked about more or less besides a few things has been very individual and very we've dealt with it ourselves in our own way yeah but reaching out to people is also your best bet to get through it yeah there's nothing really too small that your friends should shy away from because 
that's what they're for. And if you feel like it's like too big in your head and what's going on with your life and it's too big in your head, just I would suggest just to step out step out of the um step out of the box and uh look at it and zoom out of your life, you know. Sometimes sometimes it's just a a little piece of um a little piece of time that you're stuck in. And don't forget to, you know, uh past accomplishments or past good things that you've done before. You could draw something out of it to, you know, help you with the adversity as you're happening yep. you know, right now because what's happening right now is just what's happening right now. You know, it doesn't, don't make it, don't let that adversity affect your future because yeah. you can still zoom out and like have a look and assess the situation. One thing at a time too. So if something's not going to plan and you're like, I need to get to this, stop focusing on the end mm. when you need to focus on getting started to get to the end. Yes. Because if you just focus on the end and the end, you'll just keep thinking about it. You won't do anything about it or it'll take you ages to take that first step where you could have taken it. A week ago. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, for every th- ev- for everyone that would yeah, is thinking of doing something great, just do it. There's nothing wrong with it. Or at least get started. Yeah. The hardest step is always going to be the first step. So once that first step is done, you just have to you know, follow follow through. One, one foot in front of the other and never, ever quit. Yeah. And uh, hopefully you've picked something up um, on our... Um, blabbing about well, yeah thank you for listening team adios alright catch don't turn your back on the wolf back